This episode of the Policy Viz podcast is brought to you by Juice Analytics. Juice is the company behind Juicebox, a new kind of platform for presenting data. It's a platform designed to deliver easy to read interactive data applications and dashboards. Juicebox turns your valuable analyses into a story for everyday decision makers. For more information on Juicebox or to schedule a demo, visit juiceanalytics.com. Welcome back to the Policy Viz podcast. I'm your host, John Schwabish. I'm here with Dominicus Bauer to talk about his new project, Subspotting, a very cool project about internet access, Wi-Fi access on the New York City subway system. Yeah, exactly. So, so thanks for coming. Why don't we start by having you just talk a little bit about yourself, sort of backgrounds, so people sort of get a flavor of, of who you are, and then we can talk about this project in particular. Sure, sounds good. Yeah, I'm, I'm Dominicus Bauer, and I work as a data visualization consultant, engineer, self-employed. Um, so I'm based in Munich and I've been doing that for a couple of years now. This um, whole data viz business, before that I did a PhD in a related topic and yeah, I've been working with a couple of big organizations and doing workshops, the usual. The usual data yeah. viz, uh, the data viz lifestyle. Yep. Um, so I want to talk about this new project just came out uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, Subspotting tracking uh, access on the New York City subway system. So can you talk a little bit about maybe what it does um, first, and then we can talk maybe a little bit about the back end of it and what's going on behind mm-hmm. the scenes. Okay, so subspotting is a project where we captured or kept track of all of the cell phone reception on the New York subway. So the New York subway is actually a huge system. It spans 660 miles of track, uh, which, which is pretty amazing. And it still works reasonably well. And anybody who's ever been in New York has probably been on the subway as well. And one thing about the subway that's kind of annoying for New Yorkers especially is that there is not cell phone reception everywhere. But even though there's no official cell phone reception, um, there are certain like these pockets of connectivity where you can actually catch a signal and then do your internet-related stuff. Mm -hmm. I, I suppose it's always very important what you have planned. So <laughs> anyway, so uh, what we were interested in was how bad is the situation really? So how much cell phone reception do you get? And first we were looking for an existing data set of this, but unfortunately there was none available. So we decided to, to collect this data ourselves. And then after we had done that, and after a lot of subway riding, obviously, we cleared the data and turned it into two posters and an iPhone app that you can use to keep track of where you can actually get a signal on the subway. So can you describe now what users do with the app? So do they use it to track their own usage or are they saying, oh, I'm at uh, you know 59th Street and this is what I can expect? Yeah, yeah, the, the latter. So actually you can use it to access the data quickly on the go. So we have this mobile visualization that's running in this app. And you can use it to quickly browse through all of the lines and see where you can send that important text, for example, on the line that you're currently on. And is the app collecting people's information and then ultimately feeding back to you that you can use to update or so refine it? Actually, that was our original plan. So we thought about first collecting an initial data set and then having the app kind of collect the rest and improve our data. But um, unfortunately, Apple wouldn't let us, so it's not possible for an app to get this information and still be sold on the App Store. Right. 
And why, why New York? <laughs> <laughs> so I did this project together with Daniel Gottemeyer, and he's a designer based in Brooklyn. And that this whole idea and this whole problem was really close to his heart. Also, it's interesting that uh, New York is this massive metropolis, but one of the few really big cities in the world that has really good public transit system, but no cell phone reception there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Even, even though the mayor announced that they would change that soon. So we'll see. We'll see. So yeah. in another couple of years, you could redo the project to see, uh, see if that actually works. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he says with a sigh, I have to redo it. Um, so can you talk a little bit about the data issues you ran into? So I noticed in, in a couple of things on the site I've heard you speak about already, you know, some of the lines sort of overlap. They're on the same track. Um, there's some above ground versus below ground. So what were those type of issues that you faced going with the data? Yeah, so since um, the subway system is so massive, we decided to be smart about writing it all and capturing all this data. So there are certain lines that go on the same track and the cell phone's reception is, of course, identical in all of these lines. So our first step was to turn this, this data set that we had collected and that was based on the tracks themselves and map that to the lines. So that, that was one thing. Mm -hmm. But then, of course, also we, we tried to make this data easier to understand and add some context to that. For example, there are certain subway lines that cross the river on a bridge, for example, and there you have really good reception. Mm -hmm. You can, of course, see that in the signals. But if you don't know that there's a bridge, then you don't really understand why the, why the signal gets so good all of a sudden. So we added stuff like that. Um, you can also find if you're overground or underground in the app. And um, you also see the boroughs, for example, mm -hmm. when, when you're crossing from Manhattan to Brooklyn, for example. Right. So how many times did you, or I guess your partner, yeah. uh, <laughs> I wasn't there. Run the, uh, yeah, how many times did they travel the lines? And were you trying to be consistent in terms of the timing? And, you know, presumably the bandwidth changes when you, you know, at rush hour versus the middle of the day versus the middle of the night. Yeah, it definitely does. So since this was um, a relatively big undertaking, yeah. first, and also, I mean, full disclosure, he didn't write all of it, but we hired a task rabbit to do oh, it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, this guy had a pretty relaxed job. I don't know how bad task rabbit jobs usually are, but uh, he just had to write the <laughs> subway and yeah. press a button yeah. every single time they stopped at a station. Okay. So, all right. Yeah. Um, but we wrote each piece of track twice, once in either direction, and we wanted to make sure that there's no difference between these directions. So actually, our, our first test was going on, on each line in either direction and then seeing if there's a correlation between the signals, and it was extremely high. So we were pretty confident that not only the signal was relatively constant, but also that uh, it didn't make a difference if, in which direction you were going, mm -hmm. for example. And can you talk a little bit about the hardware? Like we're looking at the site right now and there's the picture of the briefcase with the four iPhones. Yeah. So how did you think about actually doing the hardware for the data collection? Well, the, the good thing was we didn't need any special hardware since it was about the reception on the phone anyway. Mm -hmm. We just went with regular iPhone 5s, mm -hmm. 5S actually. And the way we got it was Daniel went into the Apple store and bought five of these guys. <laughs> then we put them in that case. So what was sort of different about this project than some of the other projects you've done? So one major difference was that we didn't have a client. So this, nah, this was, was just you having fun. Yeah, more yeah. or less. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> well, fun is always relative. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it was fun 
it was actually it was more of a performance piece mm -hmm. i guess yeah <laughs> since of course the whole process was was actually the, the product in a way so we were really interested in what that was like to start from the start and go the full way to some visualization products so that was the major difference i guess that mm -hmm. we were self-funded and we're still curious how this will turn out <laughs> and have you talked to um you know the mta or any of the providers like did mm -hmm. verizon or t-mobile get in touch and say ah you did this right or wrong or this is just cool no they um actually the only feedback we got from them was that uh, i think sprint's new york account tweeted our <laughs> website and said Check out how great the Sprint network is. <laughs> like, so uh, that was pretty cool. Actually, I I was pretty sure that at least one of them would sue us, but maybe they just haven't seen it yet. Who knows? <laughs> um, but with the MTA, we we are an officially licensed MTA product, so um, that should be good. And that was also yeah. a really quick and straightforward process to get this licensing. So yeah, good. should be good. So you have the app. Are there other pieces of the code or the development of the project that you wanted to open up in terms of the development of the app or the code or anything that, that you felt should be open? Or is this a sort of thing where this is sort of a performance piece and we put a ton of work into it and so we're going we're gonna to hold on to this for now <laughs> and maybe repeat it somewhere? That is definitely an idea. Um, we also get a lot of feedback that people want to have that for their city. So yeah. lots of people from Washington, for example, also, some guy tweeted, uh, you can do that for London real quick. It's all just black. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not the nicest poster to have on your wall. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's yeah. true. That's true. <laughs> just a nice London map. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we, we still have this, this massive data set that's in the background of that. It's 1.6 million data points. And we will probably make that available at some point. Mm -hmm. Again, since we're self-funded, we try to make some money at least. Get yeah, some sure. money back yeah. and then... We'll see how it goes. And do you see any potential of, of taking your data set and matching it with other MTA ridership information to, I don't know, look at correlations or patterns uh, over the course of the day or, or where people are riding or any of that sort of thing? Oh, that's an interesting idea, yeah. I mean, I could imagine this project going into a couple of different directions. So, for example, if Apple would actually let us collect data with their devices, right. with the apps themselves... Yeah, then you could see like the fluctuation of the cell phone signal over the day. That right. would be super cool. Right. Now, are there other mobile device platforms that would allow you to do that, that Apple doesn't? Yeah, it would actually work with Android. Mm -hmm. But since um, since my background is more on iOS development, I figured that would be quicker to do yeah. it like that. Also, a lot of people are asking us to do an Android version of mm -hmm. the app, obviously. And we were talking about that. But the problem, of course, is we have collected this data using iPhones. So yeah. we can't really say how well this maps to Android devices. Right. But, um, yeah, the, the Android version is in the works. So we'll, we'll see we'll when see. we release it. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Now, I also am curious about the posters a little bit. So mm -hmm. the posters, I presume, is kind of one way to sort of recoup a bunch of the costs. But a lot of your work is sort of... Tremendously awesome, interactive, immersive data visualization. So was it a real switch for you to think in a sort of a static way? Yeah, actually, I never did posters before. And also the posters were mostly the work of Daniel. Mm -hmm. But there was a cool process where we could combine the interactive stuff that I did with his illustrator abilities. So actually, our workflow was we had this initial interactive data visualization that showed all of the data. So all... yeah 
45 megs of it. And that was, first of all, useful for debugging, but Daniel could also easily export the results of that as SVGs and then import them to Illustrator and then, and then do these beautiful up. posters. Right, yeah. right. So what about going forward in terms of other projects that folks may be doing with mobile and with wearables and other sorts of personal information? Do you see these sorts of projects, and I don't know what those projects are, but these sorts of projects where we're tracking um, and visualizing people's behavior as the thing that we're going to see more and more of in the in data visualization over the next year or two or five? Um, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's where we're going. I mean, the main question is how much data do we actually get as users and developers of these devices? Because, of course, um, companies like Apple and Google, they collect all this data and mm -hmm. they probably collect much more than we know about. But they're very picky about who they're giving access to. For, right. this, for this type of info. So if it would benefit their platform, their app store, for example, to have apps who would visualize this type of information, then they would give it out. But uh, yeah, you never know. Sometimes they just want to have their own health kit or whatever and nothing else. Right, right. So we've been talking a bit lately about telling stories with data, visual stories, and we could argue about what that phrase means. But when it comes to a project like this, do you think that people instinctively understand what this, I mean, it's still data visualization. Do you think they instinctively understand what this is because it's still on the map and they, everyone has a phone. And, and so they can sort of, you don't even need to write out what the story is. You can just see it and get it. I have the feeling that with an app or a poster like that, people will map their own stories to this data. Mm -hmm. So especially when they come from New York, they know these lines, they know these places, and maybe they even know where the cell phone reception is good. So the app could actually um, show them that they were right about their intuition when it, ca it came to cell phone reception. But I mm -hmm. guess it could trigger a lot of, of memories of being on the subway on a certain spot and... Uh, I don't know, everyone's pulling out their phones and <laughs> yeah. starting yeah. checking As you cross the Manhattan Bridge, just like, yeah, oh, yeah, I have yeah. a couple seconds here. I can, <laughs> exactly. I can check my signal, right. All right, good. So really interesting project. Uh, it's called Subspotting. I'll link to it on the show pages. Dominicus, thanks for taking the time out and coming on the show. Thank you. And thanks to everyone for listening. Let me know what you think of this project, Subspotting, the project that visualizes internet access on the New York City subway lines. And if you have comments or suggestions, please let me know on the website. So until next time, this has been the Policy Viz Podcast. Thanks a lot. This episode of the Policy Viz Podcast is brought to you by Juice Analytics. For 10 years, Juice has been helping clients like Aetna, the Virginia Chamber of Commerce, Notre Dame University, and U.S. News & World Report create beautiful, easy-to-understand visualizations. Be sure to learn more about Juicebox, a new kind of platform for presenting data at juiceanalytics.com. And be sure to check out their book, Data Fluency, now available on Amazon.